Good morning. And thank you for tuning in to WAMJ Talk Radio. And I'm your host, Janice. And of course, today is September 25th, 2019. I'd like to, uh, our topic for today will basically be what is your legacy? And this is something that you have to give time to think about. Um, what do you want your legacy to be? That's something that I've been thinking about um, uh, most recently. And I'm going to start off, of course, um, we're going to start off with Be With Me Today, O Lord. And, of course, this is WAMJ, first talk radio episode. Be with me today, O Lord. May all I do today begin with you, O Lord. Plant dreams and hopes within my soul. Revive my tired spirit. Be with me today. May all I do today continue with your help, O Lord. Be at my side and walk with me. Be my support today. May all I do today reach far and wide. My thoughts, my work, my life. Make them blessings for your kingdom. Let them go beyond today. O God, today is new, unlike any other. For God makes each day different. Today, God's everyday grace falls on my soul like an abundant seed, though I may hardly see it. Today is one of those days Jesus promised to be with me, a companion on my journey and my life today, if I trust him. Consequences unseen, my life and your life has purpose. I have a mission. I am a link in a chain, a bond of connection between persons. God has not created me for naught, nor has he created you for naught. Therefore, I will trust him whatever, wherever I am. I can never be thrown away. God does nothing in vain. He knows what he is about. The author is J.H. Newman. And again, thank you so much for tuning in to WAMJ Talk Radio, where your host is Janice. Now what I would like to do is I want to introduce you to a person that was very intriguing to me um, when I was doing just some brief research through Wikipedia. I want you to meet Biddy Mason, one of Los Angeles' first black real estate moguls. Biddy Mason was enslaved when she was brought to Los Angeles in 1851. She died free, however, and she was one of the city's wealthiest women. And so the story begins. In 1866, a Mr. Buffon sold two lots on the outskirts of the tiny Pueblo of Los Angeles to a 48-year-old woman named Biddy Mason for $250. The land was located on a rural spring street, roughly between 3rd and 4th, an area then just recently plotted 
on a map of the plains. Biddy's daughter, Ellen, recalled that there was a ditch of water on the place and a willow fence running around the plot. This was the first piece of land Mason had ever owned, a remarkable feat for a woman who had spent the first 37 years of her life enslaved. But for Mason, this purchase was just the beginning. By the time that she died in 1891, she had amassed a fortune of $300,000, which today would be equivalent to $6 million. And this made her the richest colored woman or black woman west of the Mississippi. More importantly, Mason had left a legacy of perseverance, compassion, and triumph. And again today, our show topic is about what will be your legacy? Will it be one of perseverance, one of compassion, and one of triumph? How will you leave your mark on the community or the society or the um, world at large in which you live? As we continue the story, Bridget Biddy Mason was born August 15, 1818, most probably in Hancock County, Georgia. She was born into slavery. Her early life, including her family, is a mystery. By the time she was a young adult, she was enslaved in the Mississippi household of a farmer named Robert Smith and his sickly wife, Rebecca. Mason tended to Rebecca and the Smith children and became an expert nurse and midwife. She was also made to work in the fields and take care of livestock. During her time in the Smith household, she herself gave birth to three daughters and their names were Ellen, Anne, and Harriet. Robert Smith was a man forever in search of a better life and richer farmland. The Smiths were also converts to the new Mormon faith. In 1847, the household began a long trek west to join other Mormons in the new promised land of Salt Lake City. They traveled with a large Mormon caravan through Iowa, Nebraska, and Wyoming. Mason walked most of the way, tending to a flock of sheep, carrying baby Harriet strapped to her back, and the Smiths settled in Salt Lake City for two years. In 1851, the restless Smith again packed up his household and joined a group of Mormons traveling to San Bernardino in the new state of California. In San Bernardino, Smith claimed a patch of land along the Santa Ana River. He got into the booming cattle business, and for a short time, he met with great success. During his settled period, Mason made friends with a handful of black people in Southern California who had been enslaved. They included Elizabeth Rowan and the successful livery stable owner, Robert Owens, and his wife. 
Winnie. Technically, Mason and her children had also become free the minute they stepped into California. The new California Constitution stated that neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, unless for the punishment of crimes, shall ever be tolerated in the state of California. However, lacking options and probably unaware of her full rights, Mason continued to serve in the Smith household. Part two. In her big black medicine bag, she carried the tools of her trade and the papers Judge Hayes had given her affirming that she was free. As tensions brewed between the North and the South, Smith became increasingly nervous that his slaves would be forcibly wrested from his control. He also had a falling out with Mormon leaders in San Bernardino and once again fell on hard times. In 1855, he took Mason, her daughters, and his other former slaves into an isolated canyon in Santa Monica to keep them from being taken from him. He planned to take them to Texas hoping to take advantage of a California statute that stated that adults who voluntarily returned to a slave state would again be enslaved. Mason's friends in the small black community of Los Angeles sprang into action. The freed slave by the name of Elizabeth Rowan who distrusted Smith, sent word to Los Angeles Sheriff Frank DeWitt that Biddy, also known as Biddy Mason, and the other slaves needed help. So DeWitt added, was aided, actually, by a wealthy black businessman named Robert Owens. He rode to their camp and served Smith a writ of habeas corpus. He was ordered to appear in court for persuading and enticing and seducing persons of color to go out of the state of California. To keep them safe, Mason and the other Smith slaves were taken to the city jail in Los Angeles. In January 1856, all eyes were on the courtroom of U.S. District Judge Benjamin Hayes as the trial began. Smith claimed that Mason and the 14 other people he had kept in the canyon were members of his family who voluntarily offered to go with him to Texas. Although Mason was not allowed to testify against a white person in court, Judge Hayes invited her into his chambers where he gave an and she actually gave the judge an entirely different account of what happened. She said, quote, I have always done what I have been told to do, Mason told the judge. I always feared this trip to Texas since I first heard of it. Mr. Smith told me I would be just as free in Texas as in California. When the judge explained that due to a state law, her minor children could not be taken to a state where they could become enslaved. 
And because Mason did not want to be separated from her children, she told the judge that she did not wish to go. On January 19, 1856, Judge Hayes ruled in favor of Mason and confirmed that she was free. All of the said persons of color are entitled to their freedom and are free forever, he wrote. He hoped that would become settled and go to work for themselves in peace and without fear from others. The Biddy Mason story, one of the Los Angeles first black real estate moguls, takes us back to our topic for today. What will be your legacy? How will you leave your footprint? How will you leave your handprint in the community within the world in which you live in? Part three of our story on Biddy Mason, one of Los Angeles' first black real estate moguls. Part three. This was the first piece of land Mason had ever owned, a remarkable feat for a woman who had spent the first 37 years of her life enslaved. Now, rid of Smith once and for all, Mason and her daughters moved into the Owens family home in Los Angeles. Her eldest daughter, Ellen, married the Owens' son, Charles, who she had been courting for several years. Through the Owens, Mason met Dr. John Griffin, a white native southerner who was impressed with her nursing skills. She went on to work with Dr. Griffin as a nurse and a midwife and would eventually deliver hundreds of babies in Los Angeles. In her big black medicine bag, she carried the tools of her trade and the papers Judge Hayes had given her, affirming that she was free. Soon, Mason was known by every citizen as Aunt Biddy. She was quickly beloved in the dusty town of Los Angeles, which numbered only 2,000 or so residents at that time, less than 20 of them of whom were black. But her new life was not without headache or heartache. In 1857, her middle daughter, Anne, died, most likely of smallpox. Both Owens and Griffin were involved in real estate and urged Mason to join them in this solid form of investment. By 1866, she had finally saved enough money to buy the string, Spring Street property. Ellen remembered that her mother firmly told her family that the first homestead must never be sold. She wanted her family to always have a home to call their own. Mason's small wood frame house at 311 Spring Street was not just a family home. It became a refuge for stranded and needed settlers. She also apparently ran a daycare on the property for working women and allowed civic meetings to be held there. 
1872, a group of black Angelinos founded the first African Methodist Episcopal Church at her house. The church met at the Masons' home until they were able to move to their own building. She also continued to invest in real estate while always making sure to give back. Even the Los Angeles Times at that time wrote a story regarding Biddy Mason. And the story said, she was a frequent visitor to the jail, speaking a word of cheer and leaving some token and a prayerful hope with every prisoner. In the slums of the city, she was known as Grandma Mason and did much active service toward uplifting the worst elements in Los Angeles. She paid taxes and all expenses on church property to hold it for her people. During the flood of the early 80s, she gave an open order to a little grocery store which was located on 4th and Spring Streets. By the terms of this order, all families made homeless by the flood were to be supplied with groceries while Biddy Mason cheerfully paid the bill. Mason continued as a midwife, eventually setting up her own business. She remained very close to her daughters and their children, insisting that her grandchildren be educated and self-determined. End quote. My grandmother proved my salvation, her grandson Robert said, who also became a wealthy businessman and activist. She told my father, he said, that he could not make a farmer or a blacksmith out of a boy who wanted to be a politician, and she was right. As a midwife, Mason was able to cross class and color lines. She interacted with a wide variety of Angelinos, whom she looked upon as part of her extended family. A little over a decade after her death, Los Angeles Mayor Snyder remembered and said, Nearly 23 years ago, it was my privilege to first meet Biddy Mason, or Aunt Biddy, as we all love to call her. I had come from the home of the colored people, and for some purpose, my employer sent me to see Aunt Biddy Mason. The kindly, cheerful greeting of this good soul made me feel almost that I was again at my old home. Mason was a shrewd businesswoman, Los Angeles was booming and rural Spring Street was becoming crowded with shops and boarding homes. In 1884, she sold the north half of her Spring Street property for $1,500. On her remaining half, she built a two-story brick building. She rented the first floor to commercial interests and lived in an apartment on the second floor. That same year, she sold a lot she had purchased on Olive Street for $2,800, a good deal more than the $375 she had originally paid for it in 1868. She also helped her family buy properties around the city. 
1885, she decided that a portion of her remaining Spring Street property would go to her grandsons for the sum of love and affection and $10. She signed the deed with her customary flourished X. For although she was a successful real estate pioneer and a nurse, she had never learned to read or write. Mason was so well known in the evolving city that even her business spats were covered by no less than the Los Angeles Times. In 1887, the paper reported on a dispute over a sidewalk. Biddy Mason had made a contract with a man by the name of David Mulring to pave the sidewalk in front of her residence. After signing the contract, she got someone else to do the work, for which David Mulring brought action in the justice court and obtained a judgment. Biddy appealed the case to Judge Gardner's court. Yesterday, and again, fate was against her, so she must pay up, is what the Los Angeles Times wrote. No doubt, the paved sidewalk had been urgently needed. By the late 1880s, people in need of assistance could be found each dawn, lined up in front of Mason's Gate. As she grew old and infirm and became too ill to see visitors, her grandson Robert was forced to go out to the gate and turn people away. On January 15, 1891, Mason died at her beloved homestead in Los Angeles. It is for this property, but her sweet, helpful Christian character, that Biddy Mason is remembered. Attorney John Kemp declared, in quotes, pioneers all praise her life of good deeds, raising the fallen and helping her race by practical and sterling example. Her life has been an inspiration to many. Her life is also an inspiration and should be an inspiration to many in this day and time, in the 21st century. At her death, Mason was one of the wealthiest women in Los Angeles. For reasons never fully explained, she was buried in an unmarked grave at Evergreen Cemetery. In the years after her death, a bitter family feud erupted over her estate. Once it was finally settled, the Mason block was put in the hands of her grandson, Robert, who became the wealthiest black man in Los Angeles County. The family held on to Mason's cherished first homestead until the Depression. In closing on Biddy Mason's story, one of Los Angeles' first black real estate uh, moguls. I'd like to say that over the past 30 years, Mason's memory has been reclaimed by the city of Los Angeles. In 1988, at a ceremony attended by Mayor Tom Bradley, the first AME church placed a memorial stone on her unmarked grave. A year later, a memorial in her honor 
was erected in a small park behind the Bradbury Building near 3rd and Spring. But perhaps the best memorial to Biddy Mason is her own words, remembered by her great-granddaughter, Gladys, decades after her death. And what does that say? Gladys said that her great-grandmother said, if you hold your hand close, nothing can come of it. The open hand is blessed, for it gives abundance even as it receives. If you hold your hand closed, nothing good can come of it. The open hand is blessed, for it gives abundance even as it receives. And I just want to say, Biddy Mason, one of Los Angeles' first black real estate moguls, she, the story makes me proud. And remember, if you hold your hand closed, nothing good can come of it. The open hand is blessed, for it gives abundance even as it receives. I'm so proud to have uh, come upon this story. Um, it gave me inspiration. It gave me encouragement. I hope that it will do the same for you. And again, what will be your legacy? What will be your legacy? If you'd like to call in to our live show, please dial 888-627-6008. Again, that number is 888-627-6008. And this is Janice, your host with WAMJ Talk Radio. We're going to go on a break for just a few, within a few moments. I just love that music. I love it. Um, We're back on the show. What will be your legacy? And we just shared a wonderful story um, with you, introducing you to Biddy Mason. Biddy Mason, one of Los Angeles' first black real estate moguls. And if you would like to um, discuss um, what we've just shared, On WAMJ Talk Radio, please call in at 888-627-6008. And I'm Janice, your host of the show for today. What I'd like to do now is to make sure I'm here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and we have voting that will be going on and in your area, wherever you're located, if if you have elections coming up, please, please, please get out and vote. Encourage others to vote because without voting, you don't have a voice. And I want to um, give shout outs to three individuals in our area and 
This is in the state of Louisiana. Early voting starts September 28th through October 5th. Again, early voting starts September 28th through October 5th. And I encourage each and every one to please get out and vote. Election day, of course, is October the 12th. Uh, and that's 2019. And I certainly want to give a big thank you and, of course, my vote. I can't tell people how to vote, but my vote will be going for Niles Hamer, who's running for juvenile court judge. And um, he will look after our children and their future. He's, on, he's actually on the front line in the fight for social justice for all families. And uh, we want to get try and get him elected uh, as our next juvenile court judge here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, because he will serve families. He will serve our children well. I just want to um, share with you a little bit of his experience he has 16 years of experience representing underprivileged children and parents in juvenile court. He's represented hundreds of citizens in criminal defense and family law cases. And he himself has a beautiful family. He has three children who also attend the East Baton Rouge Parish school system. In our community, he's a tireless worker. Um, he's a board member of J.K. Haynes Charter School. He's a board member of Baptist Builders International Incorporated. He's a board member of the Baton Rouge Chapter of Parents of Murdered Children. And God knows we need to do something to preserve the life, uh, the precious life of our children. He's also president of the St. Francis Xavier Catholic Church Parish Council. And he's recognized as Southern University alumni's top 40 under 40. We need him for our families. We need him for our children and for the future. And what he's, his vision is to increase parental involvement by giving parents support at all stages of the process, forming a youth drug court to assist with substance abuse issues with our children, forming a youth justice reentry education court to open doors to careers or college for youth, thereby making our children, our community, our future brighter. We must start with our youth. We must start with our children. And I'm asking and encourage those individuals within uh, Louisiana and East Baton Rouge Parish and surrounding parishes or counties to please get out and vote. In Baton Rouge, please vote for Niles Hamer, juvenile court judge, our children, our future. Again, early voting is September 28th through October 5th, and election day is October 12th, 2019. I, I actually had um, three public service announcements that I wanted to make. One regarding um, 
three of our candidates that's running. Number one, Ms. Niles Hamer, who's running for juvenile court judge. Ms. Patricia Smith, who's running for state senate. And Mr. Gary Chambers, who's running for state senate. And I just want to share with you some, some information uh, on what a state senator does or what a state senator is. The state senator of a particular district is elected by voters in that district to represent the district at the state legislature. Elections to the Senate occur every four years and senators are limited here in Louisiana to three four-year terms and that's 12 years. What does a state senator really do? Well, the primary duties of a state senator are creating, debating, and voting on legislation that either makes new laws or modifies the existing ones. Legislation must be approved by the Senate as well as by the House of Representatives before being signed into law by the governor of the state. And I look forward to voting for our present governor, John Bell Edwards, who has done a wonderful job in bringing us up out of the swamp area financially for the state of Louisiana. Go out and vote, please go out and vote. Your vote counts. You may not think it does, but your vote counts. I wanna put a, a plug in for Mr. Gary Chambers, who is running for state senator for District 15. He's a very vocal individual. He's present at all city councilman uh, meetings uh, that we have here in uh, Baton Rouge. And he's an activist for the people. He doesn't mind speaking his mind. He doesn't shy away from controversy. He will definitely represent the individuals and our citizens of District 15. Please get out and support Gary Chambers, who's running for senator in District 15. And last but not least, our former state representative, Patricia Pat Haynes-Smith, is also running, and that's in District 14. She is a mover and a shaker. She represents her people well. She's, she's worked tirelessly. And I'm not just saying that. I've actually witnessed that. She's not a talker. She's a doer. She gets things done. And I'm asking you to get out and support. Patricia Pat Haynes-Smith for Senator for District 14. She won't let you down. She's proven, she has a proven track record uh, for many years as not only a school board member, but also as a state representative. She works hard and she's dedicated to the people whom she represents. And sometimes people get it mixed up. Some politicians believe that you are to serve them 
That's absolutely false. Politicians are there to serve their constituents or the communities that they represent. You must, as a voter, hold your representatives or uh, those who are elected, whether it's a senator, whether it's a governor, whether it's a school board member, uh, whether it's on the parish council or the county uh, uh, city council, please make sure you hold these individuals um, accountable. They are to serve you, not you serve them, but work together as a team in partnership to make the surroundings, wherever you are, all over the world, wherever you are, get involved, vote. When elections come up, wherever you live, make sure that you are an active, not an inactive participant in the world of voting. What will be your legacy? That's our show for today. What will be your legacy? And again, leave a footprint, leave a handprint in the world in which you live, within your community. You may not be able to help everyone, but you can certainly help somebody. And uh, next week when we come on um, our show, we will be talking about two other African-American women. And this is how I'm starting my show off because I'm a woman and really I value all human life, not um, just women, but women, men, and children. And those individuals who choose um, uh, other lifestyles or LGBT Q community. They're humans. So we have to embrace everyone. All humans have value. And I strongly believe that. Um, But on our next show, I want to highlight Katherine Johnson. And I'm going to say her full name, which is Katherine Coleman Johnson. She was born in August and on the 26th day of August, 1918, she's an African-American mathematician who made contributions to the United States aeronautics and space programs at NASA. Also, Dorothy Vaughn. Dorothy Johnson Vaughn, born September 20th, 1920, 1910, I'm sorry, um, and died November 10th, 2008. She also was an African-American mathematician and human computer. Did you understand what I said? She was a gift because she was a human computer who worked for the National Advisory Committee for Aeronautics and NASA at the Langley Research Center in Hampton, Virginia. And so I will be highlighting those individuals and their accomplishments. Uh, And I hope that as you hear some of these stories that you will be encouraged 
and that you will get out and know that, yes, everything takes hard work. Everything. Nothing is easy um, in this life. But if you try, if you diligently try, and if you never, ever choose to give up, you will, you will accomplish the goal that you aspire to. And somebody said, well, you know, um, Mr. John only has one gift and Mr. Doe has five gifts. So he's so much smarter than Mr. John. Well, let me tell you this. Everyone, everyone who's born in life, I strongly believe, even those that are most profoundly challenged uh, individually or who has a disability or an exceptionality, they have a gift. Everyone has a gift and it's up to us to nurture and to grow those gifts. We're almost at the end of our show. If you would like to uh, tune in, please call us at 888-627-6008. I'm Janice, and I'm your host with WAMJ Talk Radio. Again, that number is 888-627-6008. Please call in and let us hear from you and get involved in our conversation on today. What will be your legacy? In closing uh, for today's show, this author is unknown, and I just want to share, it says, believe in yourself. There may be days when you get up in the morning and things aren't the way you had hoped they would be. That's when you have to tell yourself that things will get better. There are times when people disappoint you and let you down. But those are the times when you must remind yourself to trust your own judgments and opinions, to keep your life focused on believing in yourself and all that you are capable of. There will be challenges to face and changes to make in your life. And it is up to you to accept them. Constantly keep yourself headed in the right direction. And let me say it again, constantly keep yourself headed in the right direction for you. It may not be easy at times, but in those times of struggle, you will find a stronger sense of who you are. So when the days come that are filled with frustration and unexpected responsibilities, remember to believe in yourself and all that you want to be in life. Because the challenges and the changes will only help you to find the goals that you know are meant to come true for you. Keep believing in yourself. Constantly Keep yourself headed in the right direction for you. 
And remember, there are times when people disappoint you and let you down. But keep yourself headed in the right direction for you and keep believing in yourself. Remember those individuals that are in the state of Louisiana, please remember to get out and early vote September 28th through October 5th. Our election day is October 12, 2019. And please, I'm um, encouraging you to vote for our candidates, Nas Hamer, who's running for juvenile court judge, Patricia Smith, who's running for District 14 as a state senator, and Gary Chambers, who's running for state senator for District 15. Each and every one of these three persons that I just mentioned, they're movers and they're shakers within um, the city of Baton Rouge. And we need proven leadership. We need leadership where they take into consideration our voices, not just their voices. Uh, we are the constituents. Get out and vote. Encourage your neighbor. Encourage uh, folks in the grocery store to please get out and vote. Get out and vote. And um, I'm so happy that you join in our show on today. WAMJ with your host, Janice. What will be your legacy? And our show is about to come to a close. And we invite you next week at the same time to tune in to WAMJ talk radio where we will continue the conversation we will continue the communications and discussions about what's going on within the world in which we live be encouraged and we're going to um close our show out thank you so much for tuning in